We're living in a world where Collingwood has won back-to-back -back flags to take their tally to 11, head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. Their challenges would come from the Black Cats, the Tigers, and the Checker Hughes-led Demons. Go Dees! Go Mighty Dees! Who had in 1936 returned to the finals, and this team accomplished something they hadn't done since 1921 this year. A mid-season trip changes things for Fitzroy. The Foreign Legion finally surrender, despite a favourite son returning to the club. Carlton begin to slip, and Hawthorne are in a spot they never expected. Hear all about it after the song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick -kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome to the 1937 episode of the Kick to Kick podcast. Guys, we made it to the end of our uh, second year of recording. Well done. Moz, welcome to you. Thank you. Well done to you guys. Fantastic. And welcome, Charlie. Uh, well, well, good to see you all. Oh, good job, Charleston. Kazman. Thank you. So many highlights. Tim, where can we start? <laughs> Who, oh, well, well, we might get into that in the next episode, actually. We're going to do a bit of a best of oh, yeah. the year episode. Yeah, I look forward to that. Um, but this year, we, we will focus on the 1937 season. Yes. Yes, one thing at a time. <laughs> Finishing off with a, this season with a bang. What a great season. So many, so many interesting things happening, Tim. Absolutely. Um, very quickly, hello to our listeners in Romania and Argentina. Woo. Oh, now, last well, last episode we celebrated the fact that we've got a download in Russia, mm -hmm. and we we're, were scratching our heads trying to think of where we could get a listen to next. Um, <laughs> we, someone threw out the suggestion of Egypt. Completely farcical. Yes, yeah, thinking, you know, that, all right, that might take a bit as long nice. as it took for a, a download in Russia. Yeah. But one of our listeners, um, Matt Dean at Howard Doobie, Doobie um, on Twitter, has put a link to us, and we've actually had a download in Egypt because. Oh. Of him uh, giving us a shout out. Matt Dean, kudos to you. Oh, what an absolute champion. So Matt Dean deserves a badge, too. We ha yeah, absolutely. <gasps> yes. Um, we have Better a download in Egypt. Cool. So, yeah. Hello, Egypt. And the question is, where's our next download coming from then? <laughs> Where should we talk? Like Colombia? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling a sort of Central America, yeah. South America situation. <laughs> Panama? Yes. Panama or Colombia? Panama. Either I'd be happy uh, either Panama or. Panama or Colombia. Yeah, and we're looking at you, Matt, please. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, Matt. <laughs> uh, and let's get to some history then. Um, now, I know what you're going to say. It was a great year. <laughs> uh, before you get to that great year, let's uh, some, some hit songs. So I yep. had uh, Sing, Sing, Sing with a Swing by Benny Goodman. And let's uh, do it. Oh, is it that? Oh, is it that one? Yeah. yeah. That very and it's got lyrics to it as well. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Sing, 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 sing. Everybody start to sing. La di da di da. Whoa, oh. Now we're singing with the king. Oh, I love it. Oh, it was ca so catchy. Did you get a song? I got a one by Count Basie. Similar style. Big band. None other than Count Basie. And it's called One O'Clock Jump. No idea how it goes. Sorry, write us. Oh, we'll play that over one the top as well. I, that sounds really Why familiar. isn't there more big band these days? Oh, yeah. I feel like, you know, what happened to the mm. Copacabana, right? <laughs> the Rising Sun Hotel down the road. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Good oh, times. Yeah. Good ones there. Good. Hit them All up. right. 
So as we were saying. Well, yes, it's, it's great here. <laughs> great here, Jimmy. Well, you know, we, we've done this previously in the teens where these start to get less and less good oh, okay. as time goes. Oh, uh, they'll pick up again, I'm sure. But, you know, interesting things are happening. But we'll talk more about that in the future. But uh, let's start with... Uh, January 19th, Howard Hughes established a record by flying from LA to New York in 7 hours and 28 minutes. Was that the Spruce Moose? I believe it might have been. No, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't say. I hope it was. And the very next day, uh, FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, was inaugurated for the second time. <laughs> On the 6th of February, John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men was published classic. in the US. Classic. Um, and this is one of my favourite facts from the year. On the 26th of March, in Crystal City in Texas, spinach growers erected a statue of Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> How good is that? So Love it. good. Um, on the 12th of May, uh, King George VI and Queen Elizabeth were coronated mm-hmm. at Westminster Abbey. And on the 27th of May, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge opened to pedestrian traffic. Cool. And then um, the very next day, there was a button pressed in Washington, which signalled the start of vehicle traffic Ooh. over the bridge. Oh, la What la. a ceremony that must have been. Yes. Yeah. Who got to press the button? FDR. Yeah. Oh, of course. Impressive. Who had Great that? man. Who had just in his second term. Um... On the 28th, the next day, Neville Chamberlain became Prime Minister of the UK. Uh, Stanley Baldwin retired. And um, at some point in June, Picasso complete, completed a Guernica, the very famous mm. painting. Uh, it's black and white, isn't it? Or Is no? One, one yeah, really big. Oh, with the, uh, Guernica. the Spanish Revolution. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Oh, that's the one. That one. Um, on the 5th of July, this is up there with um, the the statue of Popeye, the canned pre-cooked meat product Spam was introduced. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, yes. I love that de- that um, definition, canned pre-cooked meat product. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's good. Spiced ham? Is that, is yeah. that why it gets yeah. its name? I think Something so. Like that. Is that true? Oh. Um, yum, yum. And on the 21st of September, the very first edition of The Hobbit was published. Mm. Ooh, wow. On At the beginning of November, the Trump won the Melbourne Cup. Uh-huh. Yeah. And on the 21st of December, Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was premiered. The very first feature-length animated <laughs> film. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so there we go. Now I know you're going to get into births. Yeah, there Can were I... some people born in 37. I heard. I heard. I've actually got one. Okay, bring it on. Um, this is a shout-out to Gav from the Collingwood Football History Tour as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, good. Um, Stamatis Dacos, Peter Dacos's father, was born oh, in 1937. There we go. Shout out to the Gav. We, we're getting there, Gav. It's the beginning. <laughs> Only a few years away. Yeah. His dad's just been born. Yeah. In, in Macedonia. Yeah, okay. Yeah, of course. So we've got a fair bit to get through. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, some other people born. Maybe not quite as big as that, no. but you never know. Um, Bill Laurie, the Australian cricketer, was born on February the 11th. Uh, Warren Beatty, the actor and director, on the 30th of March. Colin Powell, the Secretary of State, was born on the 5th of April. And uh, Lindsay Fox, the uh, Melbourne uh, trucking magnate on April 19th. On the 22nd of April, we had Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. He's still alive, isn't he? Yeah. 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 He's that old. Yeah, I know. Wow. And uh, on the 6th of May, Reuben Hurricane Carter was born, the boxer. On the 1st of June, Morgan Freeman. Wow. So we're getting into some, you know, 
some, some names that we, we're very aware of. On the 1st of June, Colleen McCullough, the Australian novelist. And on the 18th of July, Hunter S. Thompson was born. On the 4th of September, we've got Dawn Fraser. Mm. The 17th of December, Kerry Packer. Hey. And the 21st of December, Jane Fonda. There were a few others as well in there. I think Dustin Hoffman okay. was at some stage this year as well. You so think? He definitely was. Okay. I just can't remember exactly when. But yeah. Hmm. So let's get to some league news then. Fantastic. Please. So for the first time, players from the country didn't need full clearances to join VFL sides and could instead play up to six VFL matches with the blessing of their original country club uh, before needing to officially change clubs. Quite a nice Mm -hmm. bit of flexibility there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and also for the first time, players were allowed to have representation from their club when they faced the tribunal. This is all stuff on the player's side here. It is, and this will come to the fore later on when uh, we get... There's a a big controversy here with the... uh, tribunal system later on um, also mm-hmm. this season ex-Melbourne Brownlow medalist Ivor Warren-Smith accused players in the 30s of doing it too easy <laughs> dressing rooms were like beauty parlours he said <laughs> players devoid of facial hair players being able to enjoy hot showers and hot baths oh he's just a green monster he said men were men back in my day certainly oh. now oh. men with shorter shorts are making a leg show they're rolling down their socks to show their calves and losing <laughs> their natural modesty Hey, he should see them now. <laughs> oh, imagine him seeing Warwick Kappa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and all those tattoos these days. Now, uh, the Ballarat League, if you remember, Kaz, the Ballarat League were a huge Very rival strong. to the uh, Victoria the VFL in the early days and actually beat Very them a few strong. times. Hmm. Um, but they hadn't been able to... They weren't competitive for a long time and actually suggested maybe the game of Australian rules should be reduced to 15 players so they might have a chance of winning. Well, No one took that seriously. Yeah. Um, Still lots of rule changes being considered, though, as there's something mm. very... Uh, a schism is coming up. Well, yeah, and also the VFA revoked its permit agreement with the VFL and in wow. November suggested a new league with 16 players aside, three-point posters, two-handed throws, kickoffs from the centre after each goal... Um, and one man only to fly for the ball when the ball's in the air. Whoa. All ridiculous things. And there's a big... Yeah, you're right, guys. There's a big schism that comes between the VFA and... It's all bubbling away. Them. Too yeah, and the that. Australian Football Council. Mm-hmm. So that comes soon. You're right. It's just such a part of the game, really, isn't it? All these, these disagreements and um, different parties. Yeah. Um, now, two more things, and you'll quite enjoy this, Kaz. Two get-together nights were held throughout the year. Oh, as far as I can man. tell. Well, no, they didn't have that. The first one was in July, and they had a singing contest between clubs, oh. between club oh, supporters. yes. There were minstrel shows. Uh, umpires and officials got up and sung songs. It's a talent show. Kind of, yeah. It was called a, uh, a get-together night. Uh, in So the first one in July, the singing contest was won by Footscray. Unbelievable. And then in September, they had another one. The Herald, the Herald newspaper conducted the get-together. Mm. Uh, it was held at the Melbourne Town Hall with singers from Footscray, Essendon, Collingwood, Carlton, North Melbourne and Fitzroy competing. Hayden Button even actually conducted the Fitzroy Choir. Oh, he's good at everything. He's a very good specimen, as you were saying off air. Yeah. <laughs> but the winning team for the singing contest was Collingwood. Mm. Their mark being as, as follows. A splendid opening, most impressive blend, time balanced and expression fine. Singers were controlled by conductor. 
team just a little doubtful for Sopranos at times. <laughs> Classic. So yes, uh, Collingwood won on 45 points, Footscray with 43, and Essendon with 39 oh. in the singing get-together uh, championship. All in good spirit. Um, yeah. We've got the players review. We've had we've had performance of all sorts of different kinds over the years, haven't we? Absolutely. We um, so it's, I'm glad to see that's part of it all the way back then too. Yeah, that's magnificent. Uh, all right, let's get into the ladder. And then yeah. uh, oh, okay. go from back to front. Please, Moss. All right. In 12th position, North Melbourne. Poor old North Melbourne. <laughs> they had um, three wins and 15 losses and finished on a percentage of 64.2. Terrible. Poor old North, once again. Um, so, North Melbourne, uh, captained by Charlie Gordian, coached by Paddy Scanlon. Their lead goal kicker was Stuart Anderson with 18. Yes, so in round two, North had their first win, which was a two-point win over Fitzroy, holding them off as they came to try and snatch that game. Round four, North Melbourne surprised the league by scoring an upset two-point victory over Carlton, who had been perennial finalists in recent times. Um, And this was very significant because they won the game after several players received injuries, with their captain, Charlie Gordian, receiving a knock to the knee that ultimately led to his retirement. Um, And Roy Lyons was their full forward who also injured himself. In Gordian's place, Jim Adamson took over the captaincy. Now, round seven, North Melbourne suffered a big loss to Melbourne, which you guys will be happy about because I know how much you hate North Melbourne. (laughs) Um, And Bill Findlay for North Melbourne contributed seven behinds for the losers in that team. Round 10, they managed to beat Richmond again for the second time ever, second time in the VFL, sorry, by 11 points. Um, in what would be their final win of the season. They'd then go on to lose their next nine, Moz. And following the season, the club awarded the Sid Barker Memorial Trophy for the best and fairest, which was the first time this had been awarded. Sid mm. Barker being a champion Essendon player in the uh, in the mid-20s, but before that he won a few flags with North in the VFA as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was won in 37 by Wally Carter. And at the end of the, end of the year, Paddy Scanlon stood down as coach. Okay. After another wooden spoon. Yeah. Um, they, this year they had Frank Stubbs, who was a ruckman for them debut, and uh, he ended up being in the team of Century. Wow. And I uh, wish I could say more. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that cast. <laughs> in 11th, Osk. <laughs> Well, please. No, Kaz Duck on in there. Well, didn't, in didn't, legs 11. Didn't you have a, like, if you were saying in 11th place and you were doing, like, the wins and losses, wasn't that a, did we have a, a we, all, <laughs> we reached this point in every episode. Yeah, we'll quote for everybody. Uh, yeah. Um, Sorry, that, everyone. No, uh, this is my speciality. This, I, I, I live here. Um, <laughs> so, should, I'll, I'll, I'll do yeah, well, I already, t- I already stuffed it, so I was... <laughs> So in 11th place, Footscray with uh, four wins and 14 losses. That's and 18, well, 81.8% Moz. Clearly, you, you should continue <laughs> on the rest. Thank you, everybody, for my little my little time to show in 11th place there, Footscray. So uh, Footscray, captained by Sid Dockendorf. Great name. Coached by Sid Coventry and then uh, Kelly. Yes. And their lead goal kicker was Arthur Oliver with 39. Tell us about the, uh, the fundraising. The fundraising. So uh, in um, March, just before the season began, the uh, town clerk, one of the Footscray town clerks, started a fundraiser a dinner and managed to raise £400, which he then delivered to the club in a cheque, and that got them totally out of the debt that they were in from the previous few years. Wow. So they started 37 very well. 
So some debutantes for Footscray included Harry Hickey, Don Dilks, and Ron Paternoster. Just remember some of those, Kaz. Um, yeah. In 1937, Footscray began to associate more with the Bulldog mascot. Um, this began in 1928 when a Bulldog had been left at the ground during a game, um, although it wouldn't be until 1938 that they officially adopted this name. Whoa! Mm. I love that fact. Yeah. Um, however, 1937 saw a new motto introduced at Footscray. It was Seed Nullis, which means yield to no one. Or yield mm, to none. Deep. Yeah. Right. So every team has a motto. Do they? Do they? I don't think so. They need to bring those back. Yeah, get the I Latin need, in. I need with this stuff on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> tattoos, Kaz. <laughs> 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 on your, on your, on your tummy? Yeah. Like a 10,000s? Yes. Yes. Wait, I need to work out first. Yeah, get, we'll get the abs <laughs> pumping. Uh, and then maintain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, it's easy to get them. Um, so tweet us in what should we what should I get tattooed on myself okay alright yes. round one saw Footscray falling 21 points behind Essendon at three quarter time but they then delighted their supporters by snatching a four point victory Woo. over the Dons which then followed was followed by two losses wait did you say something about Ron Paternoster I did was it Ron played one game yep legend yep <laughs> dominated what a game <laughs> sorry um, round four, following a 33-point loss to Collingwood, the coach and players had their commitment to the team questioned by the committee. Um, because the committee would dare to question him, coach Sid Coventry threatened to, to walk back to Collingwood, saying, I'll go. If, you, if you're going to question me, if you're going to question what I'm doing, I'll go. Ooh. And the committee took his word, and so he did. He walked. <laughs> I'll see you later, buddy. Yeah. Like, all right, walk Whoa. in. So, well, you walk out I the will. door, don't come back. Yep. Um, so in his place, Joe Kelly stepped in as coach, stating... I'll make a team of Footscray. I'm not going to perform miracles, but by heaven, I'm going to give you 100%. Never yield. Mm. Never yield. Yield to none. Um, round five, Footscray did what often happens when a team loses its coach. They won. Yeah. They beat North by 43 points. It's just a magical serum, mm. isn't it? A new voice is always that. Mm-hmm. It seems to happen more often than not. Uh, their final victory of the season was round 16 when they beat North by 27 points. Um, but really, they only won four games for the season, two against Essendon and two against North Melbourne. Oh, right. So, North yeah. They didn't mm. beat any North team Melbourne above being the team place. below it, yeah. Mm. And Essendon being the team one above it. Yeah, they beat 10 and 12. <laughs> yeah. That's how much is it? Oh, well, at least they won some. Mm. I guess. Um, in 10th spot was Essendon with five wins, 13 losses and a percentage of 90.6, which is actually quite good. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Uh, so um, Essendon were captained by um, Jack Baggett, and then he retired halfway through the season, and was ta- that job was taken by Keith Forbes. They were coached though still by Jack Baggett, and their lead goal kicker was Keith Forbes with forty four, and their uh, best and fairest winner was Dick Reynolds. Hmm. So uh, season didn't start off well as we talked about. Footscray had that come from behind win. Um, and then there was a round two thumping by Melbourne. Um, this was followed, though, by great wins over Geelong and Hawthorne. Uh, Ted Frey kicking seven and Ted Plummer best on ground. In round six, we had a new debutante by the name of Tom Reynolds. Ah. Familiar last name there, Moz? A very familiar last name related to a Richard by any chance? Yes, the younger brother. Uh-huh. Um, he debuted against Fitzroy. He kicked two goals, but Fitzroy won that game. Done. Yeah. 
Uh, round seven, Essendon fell behind to a strong South Melbourne team who were coming off three straight grand finals, uh, but managed to keep up with them throughout the game to be only two goals down at three-quarter time. Then in the last quarter, they burst to life with a run of goals from Dick Reynolds and Wally Coates, and the team ultimately won by 32 points, South only scoring three points in the last quarter to Essendon, seven mm. goals, five. Mm. Um, now, following round eight's loss to Collingwood, a game that Dick Reynolds absolutely dominated, coach Jack Baggett retired as a player. He only played four games for the year because he wanted to co- concentrate on his coaching. So Keith Forbes once again took over as captain. Uh, following the game, Gordon Coventry said Dick Reynolds' performance stamped his credentials as a true champion. Aha. Uh-huh. In round 17, they had a strong win in the second match against Fitzroy with Ted Freya kicking six. Uh, but by season's end, the team had lost seven games uh, in time on. Mm-hmm. So they'd been, they'd been up and about. They'd seven games in time on, Kaz. Yeah. Losing three by under a kick and a further six by three goals or less. Wow. Um, but the one crisis they were going to have to deal with at the end of the season was Dick Reynolds uh, was out of a job and he was looking for a job. And we know well, at this time... Well, that at the end of a season like that. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, if, they, if you want to get a player, you need to get him a job as well. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to deal with that at the moment. So wow. Who knows? Well, I wonder what they hook up for. In ninth posse was South Melbourne with six wins, 11 losses and one draw, which I can't wait to hear about, Tim. How the mighty have fallen. I know. Mm -hmm. Three grand finals in a row. And then then this is is what happened. So you're captained by Laurie Nash this year, coached by Roy Cazaley. Yeah. Uh, Their lead goal kicker was Laurie Nash with 37. So... Yeah, as you just said, a big fall from Grayson. It started right at the very beginning of the season. It did. Well, if you remember last year in 36, um, there was whispers that Bissett would be replaced as coach, but they couldn't find anyone better. Um, So after the 36 loss, it was obvious he was was going to go. go. They tried to get Johnny Leonard back again, but he didn't want to leave WA. Um, So they instead appointed Roy Cazaley. They got him up from Tassie. They did. Um, And it was actually funny because Fitzroy were also... After him. After him, and, and they both made an appointment on the same day of Roy Cazaley. Oh, you're kidding? And Roy event, uh, chose Fitzroy. Well, uh, sorry, chose South because... Obviously. South yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but also, the choice of Laurie Nash as captain was really controversial. I can imagine um, it would have been, yeah. Because Brighton Diggins, who had kind of come across from Perth, was ex- assuming he would be taking over. He was a vice-captain and assumed that he would take over as, as um, coach. I oh, sorry, as, as captain. And then... Because um, they gave it to Nash. Instead. I was going to say, I wonder whether that's because of that previous relationship they had when Nash was playing under Kazali in Tassie. Most probably, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also interesting to note, it's the first um, case of a son of a former league captain following in his dad's footsteps. So Bob Nash was captain mm-hmm. of Collingwood in 1908 and 1909. There we go. So this that. is the first time that's happened. Yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, Brighton Diggins was so annoyed with what the club say, yeah. um, that he quit as vice captain. So then they left him out of the round one team and then he applied for a clearance to Carlton. And got it? Uh, well, they said, no, nah, you've got to sit out a whole year. So he did. He sat out the whole year. Wow. And then crosses over next year. Yeah, not great huh. man management, that is. Yeah, so that was that was round one. So that was a disaster. Set, well, round, um, the Blues beat them by 70 points. Yeah, the largest yeah. largest loss they'd ever had to Carlton since the beginning of the VFL. Yeah, there you go. And their oh, largest yeah. loss since 1929. Yeah, there you go. Um Kazali reacted by saying he'd pull on the boots again. <laughs> he was 44 years of age at this point. Well, he was still playing in Tassie but, as well. Yeah, other clubs were worried that he might do this. So they're like, hey, VFL, you know there's a residential rule. Yeah. Make sure you're appointed. Even though he's 44 years old, you've got to, he's got to live here for at least three months. And so he didn't end up playing. That's hilarious. 
Uh, I then, can't believe they were worried about it. That yeah. shows how good he was. Yeah. Um, round two was another disaster with the team losing by 55 points in a grand final rematch. Um, Bob Pratt was watching on from the sidelines in this. And then they had a draw with Richmond in round three. Their first win didn't actually come till round six, which was a three-point thriller over Hawthorne. Wow! Of all teams at Lakeside Oval, Herb Matthews best on ground. Did we? Uh, yeah, and um, was uh, Bob Pratt playing in that game? He was. Yeah. So following oh, the round okay. eight win, uh, they they beat North in round eight. Bob Pratt had had enough. Yeah. His injury from thirty-five was still hurting him. His ankle. Yeah. So he effectively retired. Yeah. Mm. However, Carlton came knocking. Um, with a mammoth offer and a job. As we talked about, you need a job. Yep. Um, um, even if he wanted to take a year out, they'd still, they were still happy to sign him, but South were enraged and they refused to clear him. Well, he almost left a couple of years before this as well. Well, last year he, he offered last year. He, because he needed a job last season. Yeah. Um, so at this point, the committee decided to publicly endorse a rebuilding policy which was something Kazali had done at other clubs. Um, so several new players were blooded during the season. It seems crazy considering you've just made three grand finals that Doesn't you're like, we've got, to, we've got to rebuild now. But all, like, all the players they had developing had left because there's no opportunity. Yeah. So right. it, it kind of makes sense. And yeah, it's an, an interesting club yeah. at this point. Uh, round nine, Laurie Nash kicked nine goals and a win over Footscray. Um, and then following the round 13 loss to Collingwood, in which Laurie Nash kicked eight goals from eight shots, there was another shock with sprinter and player Austin Robinson. Oh yeah, who missed the who missed the premiership? Yeah, because he was, he was yeah he was running, running sprinting in America against a professional sprinter. Oh wow! Um, he accepted a business position in Perth, and the club realised that this was a legit thing, and he wasn't going to another club yeah. that was going to compete with them. So they they reluctantly let him go, but not like Brighton Diggins. Diggins. Um, Third-year player Roy Moore was the fill-in for Bob Pratt at full forward. He kicked 31 goals in seven matches, which is pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Um, but following the round 16 loss to Fitzroy, Archie Crofts packed him up to Bendigo where he had to manage a store for the rest of the season. <laughs> what is um, it? Well, Crofts is a weirdo. Oh, isn't he? The season ended with a whimper from South, with the team only winning one of their last six, um, that being their final game against Essendon, in which Laurie Nash was able to mastermind a goal off the ground to win the game by three points. Um, but yeah, really the end of the Foreign Legion, yep. yielding only one flag. Archie Croft stood down as president. The vice president was voted out by the members. Um, and at the end of the season, Captain Laurie Nash announced that he was leaving for St Kilda. Wow. Oh my God. Full basket case. So yeah, I mean. You can it, see why, yeah. It was, it was really you can a see team, how it all went down of individuals, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. really a, a champion team. It was no. It full of great individual players, but that's... Mm. It wasn't the machine. No. It was no machine. Because they should have had... They, really, they should have had three premierships. They should have, three yeah. Three three, but stuffed it. Potentially even the one before the one they won as well. Like, they were... They made finals in 32. They did, they, yeah. They didn't make the grand final. No, either, but they were... Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely underachieved, though. I agree. What do we read into the policy of getting players from different states? Worked for a while. Yeah, we did work. Yeah. It's, a pro- it, it's a cultural issue, though, I reckon, isn't it? Like, cause they're not there because they love the club. They're there for the... For money. For the monies. Mm. Mm. So, there Very you go. Very good point there, Charles. Because mm. mm. they're taking a different turn. We'll see. Well, he's re- rebuilt clubs. He's got a great record down in Tasmania. Certainly does. Yeah, so and moves to a few other a ones bit of, as well. A bit of a no-brainer. I yeah. Reckon. He was so good. He was coaching two clubs, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. In eighth posse was Hawthorne. They had seven wins, 11 losses, and finished on a percentage of 84.4. 
Ah, the mustard pots. <laughs> in the top eight. Unbelievable. So, uh, captain coached by Ivan McAlpine again. Their lead goal kicker was Norm Hillard with 31. Um, and this year, Hawthorne have finally started paying their players the three pounds that yeah, they have man. been meant yeah. to since they basically <laughs> came in. They have finally managed to afford it. Yep. Oh. That's good. After a period there where they weren't paying them anything at all. <laughs> no, yeah. Jeez. It was a bit ugly. They got some coins in the honey pot. Mm. <laughs> They're out there with some new boots. Uh, not malnutrition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you do captain coach? Yes. Yeah, Norm. Yeah, Ivan McAlpine. Oh, yeah. Said that. Yeah. Um, Gordon Waters was one of their debutants. Um, round one. In a clean and fast game against North Melbourne, Hawthorne trailed by a goal at three quarter time. And despite cleaner marking, North started faster in the last quarter. And when Jack Smith goaled for North, he put them 22 points up, and the game was almost over. However, Alf Nelson and Viv Randall, Viv Randall being the grandfather of GWS uh, AFLW player Pepper Randall. Ah, oh. yeah. Um, That's cool. Managed to kick goals, and the Mayblooms only trailed by five points. Then they snatched the lead with minutes to play. Ted Poole goal to put them two kicks ahead, and the game was all but sealed. And a late goal to North reduced the margin to two, but Hawthorne took the chocolates. There we go. <laughs> Starting with a win. Following this, though, was five straight losses. <laughs> um, in round three, they played and lost to Fitzroy Brunswick Street Oval, and amazingly, they'd kick all nine of their goals in the second quarter. They kicked nine goals for the game, all in one quarter. Oh, that's insane. Only adding ten behinds in the second half. Uh, round seven, snapping their run of losses, the Mayblooms again beat Richmond, which they did for the first time the previous, previous season. Previous year. Despite mm. only kicking one behind in the final quarter to stave off a fast-finishing Tiger team, Norm Hillard kicked five goals across the first three quarters. Um, then from rounds 10 onwards, they wouldn't lose more than one game in a row, and they won a further five games. This included wins over Essendon at Windy Hill, they beat grand finalists South Melbourne and almost snatched a victory over Richmond again. Um, so eighth was the best result Hawthorne have yeah. had since they've been in the VFL. One mm. up on 36. Um, and as you said, they started playing pl- paying players again. So Which helps. Things are looking rosy. Yes. If you're a, uh, a Maybloom or a mustard pot. <laughs> Down at Glen Ferry. Yes. <laughs> nice flower reference. <laughs> They're looking rosy. Um, in seventh was Fitzroy, also with seven wins and 11 losses and a percentage of 93.1. Yes, so uh, captained by Hayden Bunton, coached by Gordon Rattray, and their lead goal kicker was Bunton again with 37. Oh, yeah, so Rattray back to coach his old club. Yes. Um, taking over last year. Who was their coach last year? Someone. It was It was someone. Hayden Bunton. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When in doubt, Hayden Bunton's the answer. Um, he was everything so, last some year. Some debutants included Bill Bunworth and Tom Butherway. <laughs> Love it. Um, but 37, the club began to be referred to as the Gorillas. Yes. Ooh, why? Yeah. Um, they wanted to be something well, more strapping. Well, right. all these nicknames, as you know, we talked about the Bulldogs before, mm-hmm. um, the newspapers were really driving this need for animal mascots. Okay. And so this is it was kind of driven by the newspapers and the media. Um, so as one of the steps to galvanise Fitzroy into a smashing force, um, the fearsome nickname of the Gorillas has been adopted. And this is from a newspaper article I found. There's a lot more in a name. It will certainly inspire f- them far more than, say, the pansies or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but Fitzroy must be careful not to live up to their new con- cognomen too literally. For the Gorillas is noted for its extraordinary strength and ferocity, qualities that have curbed that have curbed to a certain extent on they have to curb on the football field. Ah, mm. the men's team. Yes. Mm. 
Men's team really need to pull their shit together. Yes. They can't, yeah. be, can't be total gorillas, though. No, no. Um, debutants included Bill Lowenthrow, who came over from Essendon, Len Smith, who came from yes. Melbourne, and Laurie Morgan. Um, now, Kaz, I think you've got a little bit on Laurie Morgan. So, Laurie Morgan, um, player to have won two gold medals at the Olympics. It was the Rome Olympics. Um, what sport, you ask? Equestrian. Wow. And he should be playing for Melbourne. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> Um, so he won it by himself and also in a team event. And um, Charlie, his horse? Yes. Salad days. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I think I believe that was his name. Right. The horse's name. That's right. Salad, Salad days. days. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Gobsmacked. So it's too good. It's so wonderful. Uh, yeah, as far as I know. So a dual gold medalist and a VFL player. Correct. Yeah. It's a good career. Um, so round one, Fitzroy fielded a team Moz that featured three Brownlow medalists. <gasps> okay, hang on. Yeah, Hayden Munton. Yep. Um, what's his name? Ryan. Oh, Chicken Smallhorn. Yep. And did did Ryan? Yeah, what's did, his name? Dinny Ryan. Dinny Ryan. Yeah. Dinny um, Ryan. So this this would not be equal again until the two thousand and two grand final, featuring also Lions players. Michael Boss, Simon Black, and Jason Akermanis. Ah, that's amazing. Yeah, good stat. Mm. Um, so round two, they had a loss to North Melbourne. Captain Hayden Bunton would kick five goals. Um, he'd go on to score in all 16 games he played in the season. He finished with 37, which was his second best tally for the club. Did you say he led the goal kicking? He did, 37. Yeah. Yep. Round six in a win over Essen, and Doug Nichols played his first game for the season but his last game in the VFL. Um, he suffered some illness, I think, this year and wasn't able to play, and eventually he'd ask for a transfer back to Northcote, mm. yeah. where he'd play a little bit longer. Um, round 15, moving on. Uh, R- Richmond beat Fitzroy by four goals, and there was an interesting write-up about second-game player Arthur Titch Edwards. Read like this. The recent visit of the Russian ballet has apparently left its influence on Edwards. The Fitzroy back who has developed the graceful, if somewhat unorthodox, hula hoop antic to put opposition forwards off their shots at goal. He tried it successfully against Titus in the first quarter from an easy position, but later against Leaf, it didn't work. So, a hula hoop. So he's like, yeah, just shimmying. Yeah, hula hoop, an unorthodox hula hoop antic. <laughs> ah, yeah. Sounds very strange. Very creative. Yeah. Um, now, mid season, Hayden Bunton was named captain of the Victorian team to play in the state carnival, so he mm-hmm. went over to Perth. And it was during this time that Hayden Bunton, Keith Shea from Carlton and Geelong's Les Hardiman would entertain offers from Subiaco to go and play in the Waffle. Oh, really? With all three ultimately accepting um, an offer to come and play in the, in the 1938 season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as he was leaving Perth on his way back to Melbourne, Bunton even told reporters he'd likely be playing here um, next in, season. Really? Yeah. Wow. Very open about it. <laughs> yep. And so he even... so. Later on in the season, Mr. S.W. Perry, president of Subiaco, came over to Melbourne and offered a five-year contract to Hayden Button. He was also given the job of manager of one of the Perth theatres, uh, I think it was Hoyt's, actually. Hmm. So, so a five-year well. contract yeah. and a job. And a job, yeah. Yeah, well. And, you know, the, the sunny Perth weather. Yeah, I know. Wow. Uh, I honestly can't blame him. Yeah. Oh. So the committee said at the season's end, it's safe to say that the team's improved position on the premiership list for 37 was in no small measure due to Gordon Ratray's untiring efforts and unbounded zeal. But really sad end to the year because Fitzroy lost three past legends. Jim Freak, John Worrell and Con Hickey all passed away in 37. Oh, really? Oh. Similar to that old. 
No, well, Jim Freak was only... Yeah, he was young. 40, was early 40s, yeah. John, I mean, John Worrell and Con Hickey were pretty old. Yeah. Still important members of that club. Absolutely. I think, And I think uh, Worrell was even still riding up until... He, w- I was gonna, he was riding... He was definitely riding last year, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he's riding in 37 as well. But. So if you think about those th- those three, between them as coaches and players, there's probably, what, 10 premierships? Well, Worrell won six as a coach. I reckon Freak got a couple, didn't well, he? five as a coach, sorry. Freak, maybe two or three, yeah. And then Hickey get any? Well, Hickey would have got one in the VFA. Yeah. He, I don't think he played. In the oh, VFA. didn't he? I didn't make he it. Definitely won- I think he was there for the 95... Yeah, okay. So there you go. Yeah. Lots to lose. Indeed. St Kilda finished in sixth place with uh, 10 wins, eight losses, and a percentage of 101.3. Uh, so, uh, captained by Bill Moore and coached by Dan Minogue, the lead goal kicker was Bill Moore, the captain, with 58. Mm-hmm. Seemed to have happened a few times this yeah. season already. Um St Kilda had an in, had an interesting bit of a season. They started with a, a with a practice match. Did they? they? Started with a preseason practice match against Paran, oh, yeah. which finished in an all-in brawl. <laughs> so that was a great way to start the year. Apparently, um, the tall players stayed out of it, but it was just a brawl between all the smalls on the field. <laughs> Isn't that great? Um, yeah. Debutante, you might not like this name, Kaz. Cliff Goldstraw. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, round one against Fitzroy, St Kilda's marking strength and the superb goal kicking of champion Billy Moore were able to hold off the Maroons by seven points. And round two was a very interesting game. They played Hawthorne. And Hawthorne held them scoreless in the first quarter while they added eight goals seven themselves. Eight seven in a single quarter. Hawthorne. Yeah. So they led by, what was that, 50, 55 points yeah. to zero at <laughs> half time, at quarter time. Yet St Kilda steeled themselves for the greatest comeback the VFL had ever seen. Only topped by the Essendon comeback in 2001 <laughs> over North Melbourne. Uh, 19 scoring shots in the second quarter and eventually they ran out 13-point winners. Huge. <laughs> yeah. So that's... That's twice that the Hawthorne have had, had massive quarters and then yeah. just done nothing. <laughs> Early on as well. Yeah. Um, then round three was a thriller in which the Saints led Smith, kicked the winner in the dying seconds. Uh, and this saw the Saints undefeated after three rounds. What? Yeah. Um, but with injuries mounting up after that, they sort of beat Footscray in round three. They played the Demons in a battle of two undefeated teams, and it was a, it was a close game, but the Demons got up by five points. Well, yeah. Despite they, being three goals up in three quarter time. This was round seven, yes? This was round four. Oh, round four. They, yeah, I believe this was the game where um, Doug Raymond absolutely flattened one of the Melbourne players. Oh, um, really? Yeah, Dick Emsell, he flattened him behind play. Okay. And so Melbourne were a man down, so the, St Kilda did get ahead, but then... No, sorry. Yeah, St Kilda started to come back, but Melbourne managed to Hold cling on. Uh, so round seven, St Kilda defeated Collingwood for the first time since 1931. That was the game where Bill Moore kicked 11. Oh, yeah. Uh, this time getting up by seven to- 17 points, but Billy Moore only kicked one, despite having kicked seven goals in both round five and six. Mm. Um... Probably because Jack Regan's a better fullback now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ken Mackey kicking four in that game. Their f- round 15 lost to Melbourne again. Finally knocked them out of the top four where they've been for the majority of the season. Um, they had a big 80-point thumping of North Melbourne, but they were two games and percentage out of the four. 
they had a chance to make it, but needed to beat Collingwood in the last round and hope Carlton and Richmond both lost, but nothing went right. Yeah, it's always Collingwood beat them in the Blues and Tigers. When you got to worry about other games, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. There was a funny story about that um, North Melbourne game that they won by 80 points as well. Yeah, it was apparently had a, a carnival-like atmosphere. I was reading, <laughs> yeah. and ha- at halftime, a man was out in the middle of the field doing an exhibition on how to throw a boomerang. Oh. Just as you do. Um, so he got got out there, threw the boomerang, and then as it was coming back, realised he couldn't get out of the way of it in time. <laughs> smashed him in the shins. <laughs> and he couldn't get up. So, um, so he got hit in the shins, and then the policeman had to go out there and um, and pick him up and get on get get him off. And apparently the policeman had to go with the boomerang while he was out there. Uh, egged on by the crowd, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to do it with. yeah, exactly. Love it. All right, let's um, Carlson finished fifth with a percentage of 110.9, 11 wins and seven losses. Uh, so, captained by um, Ansel Clark, coached by Percy Rowe, their mm. lead goal kicker, Harry Soapy Valance with 39. Soapy. Oh, Soapy. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, so Frank Marr resigned. So, that's why they got Percy Rowe from the enemy from Collingwood. Mm. Um, as we heard, they were trying to grab Brighton Diggins from South, but they refused. To let him go. To let him go. Um, some debutants included Kevin Fox and Monty Brown, and another one we'll hear about soon. Even before the season began, though, uh, there was a practice match, and Ron Sox Cooper had a blow up and was given a club imposed sanction. Um, I think he attacked one or, or got into a bit of a punch on one of his own players. Really? Which reminded me of that. Remember the whole Satanta helping? Oh, thing? yeah. He yeah, yeah. in the bar. And yeah. Got, like in a practice match, so I think that's what happened there. <laughs> Um, so in round one, it was a spiteful match and Carlton would play the team that refused to give them Brighton Diggins. Uh, it was a tough, hard game. South smacked, uh, so Carlton smacked the Swans on the scoreboard as well, though, to the tune of 70 points. Yeah. Mm. Carlton then lost three in a row and started with a close one to Geelong and Carrio and included an embarrassing two-point loss to North Melbourne at home. Round six, Sox Cooper was welcomed back. Um, it was a game against Collingwood. Uh, Carlton were confident they would win, however... Um, they wilted in the last quarter. Percy Rowe received three ironic cheers from his former fans. Oh, as well. oh, the Bronx cheers. <laughs> Nothing like it. Um, so round seven, there was an uneventful win over Footscray that saw Jack Rout kick six goals, but a player by the name of Bob Chitty made his debut. Kaz. That's right. One of the toughest footballers to ever play the game. Um <clears throat> Well, I suppose that's a, that's a that is a, a good thing in this game. So, so it's, it's obviously it's contact sports. So. He's tough. Yeah, he's tough. I, um, I hope they made use of the nickname Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> <laughs> was that out at the moment? I don't yeah, think it was. Well, well, maybe out? not. Close. It's named after him. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so he was uh, recruited from Kudjua. Is that how I say yeah, that? Yeah, I think right? so. And uh, worked his way in the Carlton Reserves. Just say it confidently. No one, yeah, you can just get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so yes, um, he actually cut the top of his finger off in an industrial incident. This and this this plays into his toughness. Um, got it sewn up and played the following Saturday. You're kidding! Wowza! Uh, so love it. Uh, there you go. And um, we'll, we'll probably mention him again in 1945, where he's reported there's um, a big game where there's uh, obviously some kind of some fight. It's called. It says the here, blood bath. Blood bath. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, South Melbourne. <laughs> so there we go. Perfect. Um, yeah, one of the one of the uh, most fearsome players to have ever played. Really, so, and we've had some fearsome that? players. Yeah. So we've got Captain Blood. There yeah, that's it. Yeah. Too, so that's really saying something. But um, 
I suppose fearless is in like you know ready to, to sacrifice yourself for the good of the, the team. Uh, yeah. that's what we mm. like. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, so following this round seven win, they won three on the trot over Hawthorne, Essendon, and Fitzroy, but then lost in round twelve, and this left them a game out of the four. Yeah, which they ultimately would never wouldn't make up. Um, following the round nine win over Hawthorne, Soapy Balance was dropped by the committee and had him brooding over his retirement. He played in the game. He played a game in the twos and then came back for round eleven win over Fitzroy, but then was dropped again uh, and injured. Really? Yeah. Now during the fiery round thirteen home loss to Geelong, a Carlton fan became so unimpressed with the umpiring that he jumped the fence and attempted to address umpire Blackburn himself before the umpire trainer and a policeman. In- Inter- intercepted him and escorted him from the ground. <laughs> oh, so he didn't quite make Taylor it. Style. Yes. Yeah, well, umpire yeah. Blackburn has copped a bit over the years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, round 14, they had a strong win over a top four team being Melbourne by 16 points. Jack Rout kicked four goals, 10. Um, this stands as a Carlton record. No other player is listed as being so inaccurate for having kicked four goals or less. <laughs> um, and as of 2019, only six players have been more inaccurate in the history of the league. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Do we know who any of yeah. them are? Uh, yeah, I, I did look at the stats, but I don't have it here. Oh, no, that's right. Uh, round 18, in the last round win over Footscray, Soapy Valance was convinced that, it was, uh, that this was it for him in the VFL. He was going to cross to the VFA, uh, so he went out in style. He kicked five majestic goals. He took several marks, um, but we'll see what happens next Next year. I'll leave that on a bit of a cliffhanger. Mm. Will he return? Whoa. Will he not? Listen in. Tune in next year. <laughs> next year? Yeah, it yeah. actually is next yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, craziness. So, top four. Richmond, the majestic Richmond. Um, 11 wins, one draw, six losses, percentage of 108. Those mighty Tigers... Captain coached by Perce Bentley. Their lead goal kicker was Jack Titus, young skinny with 65. Mm. Um, yeah, that was about it. A bit of work being done at Punt Road Oval as well. A new retaining wall from the turnstiles. To hold up the tree. Uh, yeah, new scoreboard and bar also built. Oh, good. Some important mm. things. That's what Richmond needs, another bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, round three, Richmond and South Melbourne had a draw, 11-15 apiece at Albert Park Lake. In round four, Dick Harris kicked eight goals straight against Fitzroy at Punt Road, Oof. kicking 19 goals across the first four weeks. Um, round five, Jack Titus kicked seven in a win against Essendon at Essendon, and then Perth Bentley kicking seven against Geelong in round six. So some big goal kickers as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm. Um, Jack Dyer really had his breakout season, though, in 1937. Um, don't know if you looked at the papers over the weekend. I, I was actually about to mention this. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. About, um, did you guys read there was... Uh, Richmond have done a big investigation into their best and fairest, and I remember Rhett even talked to us about yeah, but, yeah. this last year, um, that they've had to rescind a few best and fairest that they can't actually find evidence of. Yeah, so <gasps> anything before, I think, this year, was it? 37? Like, yeah, so 37, Jack Dyer won, won the, it. the best and fairest, but there's only one or two that they can prove before that. Yeah, and they and there were a couple... One that I think went to Dyer as well that... Yeah, 32 went 32 to 32 went to Dyer, but there was, there was no proof that he, it was ever awarded. So there oh. were a couple in the late 20s, but they've rescinded a couple from Dan, Man- Dan Minogue yeah. didn't win any. Yeah, so it was, it's in, really interesting. Yeah, it's a great work by all those people over at Tiger. Yeah. I think Trevor at the MCC Library also helped. Was part of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Um, so round 13, Jack Dyer played a major role in the Tigers' three-point win over Footscray at the Western Oval. He took 16 marks for the game um, and was the target of concentrated hooting and jeering by a section of Footscray barracks during Hoot. the third quarter. 
Um, round 14, Jack Titus kicked eight goals, seven against South Melbourne at Punt Road. Um, and Jack Titus, he would donate a weekly prize to the club's best player. Um, and in this game, he was awarded the best prize, but politely suggested that the money be given to a first-year player. So George Bates graciously accepted Oh, that. good man. Aww. Round 16, Richmond came from behind to snatch a two-point victory from Essendon at Punt Road Oval. Um, Essendon kicked the goal after the bell rang to end the second quarter, but it seems the umpire didn't hear that. Um, and during this game, Jack Titus captained while Perth Bentley was on state duties. See, again, I feel like this is probably the third or fourth time that this has happened with the umpire not hearing the bell, and I thought they'd come up with a rule to stop this from being able to happen. Didn't hear it? <laughs> no. Didn't hear it? What are you talking about? Uh, round 18, Richmond defeated Hawthorne by five points to secure a place in the finals. Finals. We had a Laurie Taylor debut that year, and he was one inch taller than Jack. There you go. But, um, was he rucking as well? Yes. Good. Oh, there you go. Um, I meant to say that. <laughs> Third place, Collingwood. 13 wins, 5 losses, 129%. Those pies. You can't keep them down, no matter how hard you try. Uh, so... I mean, I feel like we're almost in the same position we were during those machine years. The, the, this list just doesn't change. Captain by Harry Collier, <laughs> coached by Jock McHale, lead goal kicker was Gordon, Gordon Coventry, Coventry yeah. with slightly less, 72, but yeah. still the highest goal kicker for the season. He was. Well, yes. if you include finals. Ah, yes. Well, yes. yeah. At this stage um, we do. And the, sorry, the BNF for Collingwood this year went to Des Fothergill. Fothergill in his first season. We'll hear a bit more about him yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, now, Gordon Coventry, remember he re- he was retiring. Yeah, he was done. Season. Yeah, because He was over been, it, he was angry. He'd been reported, um, he, he'd been suspended for eight games, he missed the grand final. Yeah. Um, but Old. the club talked him into fini- playing one more season yeah. and finishing the game on his terms. Old not, boil neck Coventry. Yeah, not yeah, going out yeah. as, a, uh, as, as a suspendee. <laughs> yeah, no. Alistair Lynch style. Yeah. <laughs> um, so round one, the flag was unfurled and a well-drilled Collingwood team nearly spoilt the party. Uh, seven straight goals in the third quarter got Geelong back in the game, but Collingwood ultimately won this game by 16 points with Des Fothergill making his debut kicking one goal. Kaz, tell us a bit about Des. Well, he goes on to kick 56 goals this year, um, and uh, he is 17. And, oh, uh, huge. Next, next year wins the Cup. And this year. And this year. And this year. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've, so I've messed that up, obviously. Uh, there you go. But um, He goes on to win... Um, some Brownlows as well, I think. No, he comes second in the yeah. Brownlow. No, anyway, I think he's I think, a great player. <laughs> no, I think right, he, I think he does win a Brownlow. I think it's one. Of, I think it's a draw, and he gets, he loses he, on countback. Ah, yes. Thank you. That's oh, really? No provision yeah. for, to win two Brownlows when yes. he came when they drew. So it was one of those retrospective Brownlows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. Collier. And that's coming up in 1940. Yeah. But um, he's yeah. This obviously notable for his age. Such a great player. So young. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, so the big controversy at Collingwood was again with the tribunal. Round three, the team travelled to play Ar- to play North Melbourne at Arden Street, which we know Collingwood don't enjoy playing. Remember that um, that situation in the VFA where um, who was their their player that had to hold the put like hold the supporters back? It was a policeman. Oh, Bill um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah um, no, um, proud Proudfoot. Yeah, Bill yes. Proudfoot. Oh, yeah. He always keeps coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they hadn't didn't have a great record there. So in this game, Keith Stackpole, who was a young player at this uh, stage, got into a bit of fisticuffs with a North player, and this incited the crowd. They were baying for blood, Moz. <laughs> um, so as so that they they wanted him as they were walking off. Um, Leader Collier kind of took him under his wings and said, you know, don't worry about them. But as they were walking off, um, the 
supporters were hurling abuse at them, spinning on them, whacking them with umbrellas. Um, and an old, like a, a lady appeared and tried to whack Collier over the face or with the, over the head with the umbrella. And uh, Collier supposedly spat in the old girl's eye. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Nailed it. Yes. So this is at half time. Club officials realised this and they found the woman and apologised, saying it was a mere accident. Um, club president Jim Ryan even drove her home in his uh, his fancy car. Afterwards. I did not want that to go any further. Did so it? she's yeah. trying no, to she's she... trying to attack a player. Yeah, oh, it's been yeah. in the face too. Um, <laughs> the club. So Collingwood hoped that by apologising, all this would blow over. Uh, but there was lots of news about it. There was there's a big beat up in the paper, as you can imagine, there would be these mm. days if it happened. Oh yeah. Um, and North. Uh, got involved and said, you know, we want to, we want action taken. You can't treat our supporters like this. So it was almost like a case of um, the integrity of the game. He was called before the league to kind of present a case about why he did this. So North Melbourne, uh, sorry, Collingwood got lawyers in for him yep. to kind of present to him, and he and the lawyers said, you know, go and hear what they say, but then you know just leave. Don't 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 yeah. get too involved. Yeah. Um, so the solicitor told him to do that. He went in and. Um, Spat in the judge's face. <laughs> no, no, so he went in, he heard the instructions and kind of gave his side, but, but um, then walked out without kind of hearing anything else. Yeah. Um, and because of this, the league suspended him for eight matches. Oh. Oh, because right. he, cause he'd walked out. For, for yeah. walking out, but also, also, I guess, for... You know, for spitting in the first place. For spitting, but yeah, bringing the game into disrepute and yeah. then not, not paying the league respect by walking out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um, so John Wren, club benefactor, sent him on a holiday, paid his weekly salary, salary um, for the next eight games as well. Love it. Mm. <laughs> Pies Pi won that game by 34 points. Um, this played out over the course of three weeks as well. Yeah. So in okay. the course of that three weeks, they beat Footscray but lost for the first time against Melbourne in a long time. We'll hear about that when we talk about yes, Melbourne next. Yes, they did. Um, round 15, they thumped Footscray and Gordon Coventry became the very first player to play 300 games. Massive. Mm. I re- When I read that this week, I couldn't believe it had taken this long for someone to reach 300. Well, they're only playing 18 games a season. Yeah, how many? When yeah, actually, start? it's a really good point. 21, 20 or 21? Ooh, of yeah. course, yeah. I did. Yeah, of course. That's why. That's why. And also because he basically started when Collingwood was just making every game they possibly could. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And they he's played, had the best. Yeah. Possible. Plus they, they played run. grand finals in know, ten of those seasons. Yeah, exactly. Well. So he's he's played twenty two games. Yeah. As, in as many of those years as yep. he could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course. Round. Sixteen. So that, that game against Melbourne. Actually, we'll talk about that when we get to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, the game took its toll. So they had a big game against Melbourne, which we'll hear about. It took its toll, and they lost to Carlton in round seventeen before finishing off the season with a regulation win over St Kilda, heading into another final series with the possibility of a three-peat. But I know why you're all here. Yeah. Let's get on to talk okay. about Melbourne. Okay, sit down. Yeah, embrace yourselves. Brace yourselves. Light another so cigar. <laughs> Get the rest of the boys in from the farmyard. Yeah, put your monocle <laughs> on. <laughs> That's because call the doctor in advance. Or you're or you're probably a doctor yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up in second place is the mighty D's Melbourne with 15 Those mighty wow. demons. Three losses, 131.2%. It's our time. <laughs> <laughs> here we come. Yeah, yeah. 
Here we come and listen to this list of names. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Captained by Alan LaFontaine, the great man. Coached by Checker Hughes. Lead goal kicker, Norm Smith with 45. <laughs> does, um, does, I mean... Does LaFontaine have a nickname? Uh, Font. I don't, I don't know font. if he does. Fontable knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he does, but if he does, I'll find it. Or okay. I'll, I'll, I'll figure one out. We'll make okay. one up for him. It's a big silo. It's a better silo. Um, <laughs> and what a start to the year it was. Winning the first six straight yeah. out of the gate. So let's, let's get into those games. Demon started this uh, new campaign in the right fashion and what ended as a comfortable win over their nearest neighbour, the Tigers. So they smashed them around one, round two. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what happened in round two? Let us feel it. Yeah, let it out, Timmy. The Demons beat Essendon at Windy Hills. <laughs> yeah, they did. Second game, Hugh Murnane kicked five. Um, what at, at, in what at the time was Melbourne's highest ever score. <laughs> Biggest win at Windy Hill. <laughs> highest score against Essendon and at Windy Hill. What was the score, Tim? Let's <sighs> edit this out. We deserve better than that. We're not better than this. Uh, We've been in the like, desert for such a long time. We just need a drink. 25 goals, 20, 170 to Essendon, 13, 785. <laughs> oh, it's good hearing him good say times, it. Good times, good times. Um, round four against St Kilda, battle of the uh, teams who hadn't, who were undefeated at this stage. Melbourne was second best most of the day and found themselves three goals down at three-quarter time. Um, at 13 points behind with 10 minutes to play, despite being down to 17 yeah. men, as you talked Which about, I mean, Charlie. Yeah. St Kilda then steadied to kick two goals entering time on and looked like the game was over. And then Melbourne launched an amazing comeback, booting three goals in three minutes, Oof. led by Fisher in the ruck and LaFontaine in the centre to snatch the game out of the fire. The Saints still had time to regain the lead and in the dying minutes they went forward only to be held out by Melbourne's defence. Gordon Ogden saved the day in the last 30 seconds when he marked on the goal line to defuse a St Kilda attack. Great. Oh, kept, it more? <laughs> kept it going. Kept it going. Yeah. Round five, the Demons took a terrible record against the Pies into this match, having only registered a draw against them in a home and away match since 1921. Yeah. Uh, in this game, the lead changed hands ten times in the first three quarters, and they finally broke the shackles and dominated in the last quarter. Having only been narrowly in front, they peppered the goals for the entire last quarter opening with one goal seven, but then finishing with five goals nine. To four straight goals to run out easy winners. Ron Baggett with six. Yes. One of, the, uh, one of Norm Smith's good mates. Round seven, they kept their unbeaten streak alive with a 20-goal win over the hapless Shinboners. North Melbourne kicked six goals, um, and they were never seriously troubled. Uh, North racked out what remains their equal... Sorry, this is their equal biggest win over North Melbourne. Um, also, I, I was reading this. You guys hate North Melbourne. Yeah. But your three biggest running, like winning streaks, are all against North Melbourne. Oh, really? So this well, is and and our biggest losing streaks as well. So okay, there you go. Well, this well is their, I think this is their. They're in the middle of their second biggest one, which which is fifteen against North Melbourne. Maybe that's Amazing. why they like beating us so much. Um, mm. Their biggest is twenty though. Um, also, this game against North Melbourne was a debut debut of a one Keith Bluey Truscott. Ah, the great man. That's right. Um, and the great man he was. Uh, Played, excuse me, um, legendary. Fo- uh, played in legendary forward line. And the first thing they say about him was that he was the uh, red-headed bullet, Bluey Truscott. Uh, the red-headed f- bullet? Yeah, red-headed bullet. He was a fire. His, his hair was like fire orange. It was oh, really? insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, plays in uh, plays in finals, and um, so, and obviously, 
unfortunately passed away in World War Two um, in a training accident. Mm. And, uh, he was a pilot, yes. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, quite a good one. And um, I think probably we'll be talking a little bit more about it in the future, is that right? Yeah. So, I, I would imagine so. And we debut this year. And we talk about him every year as uh, the Melbourne BNF is now named after him. That's right. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. Great year for for Bluey. Oh, for That's Bluey. Charlie's saying. <laughs> Take it. Uh, no, Run no, with no, it. No. Uh, round nine, Melbourne's eight-game winning streak finally came to an end after conceding a five-goal first quarter to Geelong and couldn't catch up. Uh, round 10 actually Moz you might be able to talk about this um, they had a win over Fitzroy with Jack Mueller dominating in defence uh-huh. uh, and Norm Smith kicking 7 behinds but tell us about Jack Mueller so Jack Mueller had lost 2 of his fingers I think between the 33 and 34 seasons mm. is that right Charlie? yes in an accident at the factory he worked at which I read was a rope factory however Charlie you said a box factory well no no it was a Box cutting machine or something. Okay, I think. so maybe up the rope factory yeah. with a box cutting machine. So, um, Mr. Mueller wore a glove as of 1934 yeah. in his right hand, so he couldn't actually tell. Padded, yeah, padded, padded. fingers. Couldn't tell that he he was missing. Oh, so he two had fingers in the glove. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, that's cool. Love Round it. 15 against St Kilda. Both teams started the game quickly and there wasn't much in the contest until half-time when Melbourne kicked away. Jack Mueller went forward, surprising St Kilda. Um, and Smith then acted as Mueller's decoy while he kicked six goals, six. Which is the way these two play. Mm, and Lou Rifle kicked five as well. Uh, round 16 in this game against Collingwood. So they're playing now at Victoria Park in a battle for a top two position. So what a game. this game... Gets a double chance, and I think it was quite. This was quite a big uh, crowd for a home and away game as well. I think it was twenty or so thousand people okay. at this game. Um, but looked all done and dusted as the Magpies led by thirty-five points at three-quarter time. Mm. Looked like Mel- uh, Collingwood were about to strike an important blow, but then the Demons took advantage of uh, Collingwood's leaky defence. Uh, they began the last quarter with two goals, but with ten minutes left, Collingwood was still thirty-one points in front. But then the mighty Red Demon stormed home against the fading side to register their greatest comeback from a third quarter deficit in history. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's their first good. win at Victoria Park since I don't know when. For a long time. <laughs> since before, yeah. Um, the final scores in this game were Melbourne 22 goals, 21, 153 to Collingwood 21 goals, 16, 142. It was a then VFL record aggregate score for a game. Yeah, 295 points. Should have been more because Melbourne hit the post six times and Collingwood four times. Oh, God. <laughs> Les Jones kicked one seven for the afternoon. Um, and the Pies also kicked what would be their highest losing, their highest losing score ever. And I and think at this high- stage, the highest losing score yes, ever. Yes, and it yeah. was Collingwood's highest score. Sorry, it was the highest score ever kicked against Collingwood as well. Mm. Mm. Um, Melbourne then finished their last two, finished off the season with two more wins to finish in second. Um, but yeah, not having beaten Collingwood in the home and away season yeah, since twenty one, which twice. is which is unbelievable considering. Like I heard when you said that before, I was like, hang on, that can't be right. We won a flag in twenty six, but we still that wasn't the home and away season though. No, I know, but we couldn't beat them at like no. during the season when we managed to win a flag. Yep. So yeah, amazing. There you go. And Collingwood had already won eight games, one at home that season. Yeah, well. oh, sorry, excuse me, eight games altogether. Mm. Um, so Not this one though. So that was the, that was the only game they lost at home was to Melbourne. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it makes me very happy to say Geelong in first place. 15 wins, three losses, like you were saying. Why, um, why are you so happy about that? <laughs> well, I, I'm happy for these guys. They haven't been up there very okay. much. Um, One, two, three, four. But uh, a little bit 31. of genuine yeah. happiness. Well um, <laughs> and um, 135.3% more. It's a little bit more than Melbourne. Go the Black Cats. Go the Black Cats. So, captain coached by Reg Hickey this year. Their lead goal kicker was Jack Metherill with 71, so one less than Gordon Coventry. Mm. Yes. Uh, Round one, Hickey had his team well-tuned for the opening game against Collingwood. Uh, But in a shootout, they went down by 16 points. So they had to wait until round two to chalk up their first win, which was down in Geelong against Carlton by 11. Reg Hickey attributing this win to their last quarter determination and the strategic move of full forward Les Hardeman to centre-half forward in the third quarter, which uh, was a move suggested by Tommy Quinn and a tactic that would foreshadow bigger things to come in this season. Um, Round four, the funniest moment of Geelong's win over South Melbourne, which was by 39 points, was a Fox Terrier that made its way onto Cryo Oval Ah. and followed the play for a full five minutes, chasing (laughs) players and trying to catch the ball. (laughs) Well, we all know the dogs have to go after cats. Um, True. Eventually, the umpire tired of this and halted play. Uh, while South Jack Graham dived to grab the dog, which reminded me of the whole plug-up. Yeah, thing. I know, yeah. Oh, um, to yes. hoots of laughter from the crowd. <sighs> hoot, 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 hoot. <laughs> hoot, hoot. Uh, Round 10, Les Hardeman kicked eight goals, which was his biggest haul for the season, as the Black Cats beat North Melbourne by 86 points. Uh, round 11, Les Hardeman f- left the field in the third quarter with a leg injury, and on came Stan Howard. But in a strange incident, as he kicked the ball from the back pocket, he received a bump. He fell heavily on his back, jarred his so- his spine, mm. and actually gave himself concussion. Oh, God. He couldn't remember playing the game afterwards. Um, he asked his teammates if he'd actually been asleep and then was surprised when he found out Geelong had won by 90 points. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, but it's crazy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and then Geelong, round 12, in a close tussle, Geelong played Collingwood at Crow. Geelong won by 30, 23 points. Uh, but this almost ended in tragedy as a small fire broke out near the entrance gate just before half-time. If not for the quick thinking of fireman A. Gaskin, the whole stand may well have gone up. Wow. Um, it should also be said that after round six, Geelong did not lose another game. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So it's like 12 in a row heading into finals. Heading into finals is a good way to do it. Mm. Um, so let's very quickly now go around the grounds. Let's go and talk to uh, Big Red and see what he's got to say. Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day all and welcome to a special edition of Big Red's Roundup. Looking at the year 1937, so let's get started in the West where it was an eventful season. Not one, not two, not three or four, but five players kicked 100 goals. Ho-ho. George Doig topping the list there with 144. Frank Jenkins of South Fremantle won the Sandover medal in his debut season of senior football. In the second round, East Fremantle broke their own 21-year-old record with the highest score in league history to that point with 28-23-191 on their way to winning the year's premiership with a come-from-behind victory over East Fremantle. Let's head now to the south, where in South Australia, Port Adelaide have won back-to-back flags, this time against Norwood. Um, and in an entertaining grand final, scores were three points of difference at three-quarter time before Port ran away with a five-goal final quarter. Again, Ken Farmer won the goal-kicking medal with 108 goals for North Adelaide, while teammates Harold Hawke won the league's McGarry medal. In Victoria, 
more specifically the VFA, the Premiership was won by the Paran Football Club after it came from fourth on the ladder to defeat Brunswick by two points in a super exciting grand final. It was the club's first VFA Premiership since it had joined the association in 1899. Jeff McInnes of Brunswick was the leading goal kicker for the season, kicking 78 in the home and away season. Neville Huggins of Williamstown won the Recorder Cup, the league's best and fairest. Now around the country, other winners including Windsor in Queensland going back-to-back, the Ballarat Imperials with their fourth straight premiership in the Ballarat League and going one better than that down in Tassie's Northern League, Launceston win their fifth in a row. And finally, in the Ovens and Murray League, the Aubrey Tigers win their first flag since 1928. And that's all for the roundup this year. Until next year, kick straight. Thank you very much, Big Red. And good um, man. Yeah, you yeah. have to keep us up to date about Hayden Bunton over there in the. Uh, in yes, the next mm-hmm. year. Absolutely. All our defectors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the other thing we'll get to is a uh, the Brownlow Medal. Oh, the brown low down low. Here we come. Okay. Should we play? Brown low down low. That's that. That's it. Great. Sorry, Moss. Cool. Uh, So, this season, we get to talk once more about King Richard. Richard Sylvanus Reynolds won his second brown low this year, 1937. He's more fondly known as Dick Reynolds. Um, he won his first Brownlow in 1934 as the young and sprightly 19-year-old. And as you may recall, if you listened to our 1934 episode, Dick was at a team event when he won in 1934 and was extremely shocked to have won the award over Hayden Bunton, the well-renowned favourite. Yeah, and that was the one where uh, Bunton had been talking to the umpires at the end of the season. It, it was. Give me the votes, ump. Yeah. And it, was that the that same that year up. that Reynolds had been down at the shop watching... Button work is no, that, that right? Was what he was in his first season. I think that was the, oh, that was the 1933. Yeah, that's spot on. Um, but this year, Bunton only received nine Brownlow votes. Yeah. Although, from what we were just talking about, it sounded like he would have received more. Anyway, <laughs> um, this year Dick played 15 games. He polled in 11 of those games, and he finished with a whopping 27 votes. Huge. Huge. Uh, South Melbourne's Herbie Matthews finished with 23 votes and Melbourne's Jack Mueller on 17. Three-finger Mueller. <laughs> well, shout-out to Jack Mueller for achieving the bronze position with only 80, 80% of his fingers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and as we already spoke about, he had lost two of his fingers a couple of years beforehand. Uh, as already mentioned in the 1934 episode, Dick debuted with Essendon in 1933 and played with them until the end of 1951. Mm. Again, that's huge. huge. It yeah. is huge. Lots of huge things happening for Dick Reynolds. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't want to say. King Dick. <laughs> uh, um, in his first seven seasons, Dick scored 123 Brownlow votes, and that was more than any other player before him. And look, in the book that I got that stat from, it said after him as well. However, that book was written in the late 90s, so uh-huh, unconfirmed. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this second win for Dick was equally as, shop- as shocking for him as his first win, he said. He was quoted um, to have said, oh, when he won. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> um, Dick was known for his clumsy running style, known as his lope. And this lope made Dick look seemingly slow, which in turn hid his true speediness and allowed him to weave in and out of trouble with ease. 
He was only 179 centimetres and 80 kilograms and, of course, an absolute champion of the game, soon to win a third brown low. Yeah, yeah. wow. That's just on the download. Yeah, on the download. <laughs> TBC. <laughs> My pleasure. Well That's done. Um, and the other thing to talk about is there was a state carnival in 37 as well, held over in Perth. Yes, which which you mentioned. I did mention yeah. very briefly. Um, only three, times atten- three teams attended this carnival, South Australia, Victoria, and Western Australia. Um, and there were no... Actually, there was one blowout. Western Australia absolutely thumped South Australia, 165 to 49, which was, I think, South Australia's worst ever carnival loss, 116 points. Um, but the final game came, like the result came down to the final game, which was Victoria against Western Australia. Um, and Victoria won this game 97 to 89, largely in thanks to Jack Regan, who was able to restrict Doig to just three goals. The king of fullbacks. Yeah, so if you remember, Doig was, I think he kicked 152 oh, yes. goals a few seasons yeah, back. Yeah, so yeah. Having, mm. having one of the, the, the prince of fullbacks mm. playing on him was amazing. Um, there was a crowd of 40,000 people who came to witness him, which is wow. which was at the time a new record for the highest ever crowd at a Western Australian sporting event. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Love all these records just yeah. dropping off. It's great. They've got to happen somewhere. There's, I mean, you can find a record in anything, really. Yeah, you can. Um, and, this, and that was also where those three players defect all got lured yeah, across got, as well. So that yeah. carnival took some of the Vic- champions. Victoria mm. took the biggies but lost a couple of greats. Yeah. Mm, what can you do? They were just crumbs in the end. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the cookie crumbs. <laughs> um, finals. 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 Here we come. Not everyone gets a final this year. <laughs> no. It's, it's been a while. Since Only four teams. Yeah. 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 It's been a while. I just that episode. <laughs> uh, so, the first semi final between Collingwood and Richmond yes. was Saturday, the 4th of September, in front of 41,663 people at the G. Ooh. And uh, Collingwood came out strong. Yes, um, look, they looked the better team at the start of the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Colling- the powerful Collingwood defence resisted all Tiger attacks. Uh, Jack Dyer tried to do all he could to lift the Tigers, uh, but they were 18 points down at half time. Tigers then hit back uh, they in the third and got within eight points, but the last quarter was all Collingwood. Yes. Um, Marcus Whelan worked well in the midfield, and Coventry earned his six goals for the team, which in- so included in that, co- that haul was his 100th finals goal. Yeah, jeez. Mm. He's the only player in AFL VFL history to achieve over 100 goals in, in finals. finals. Yeah, wow. Um, Jason Dunstall's next closest was 78 in 21 finals, but Nuts would finish with 111 in 31 <laughs> finals. So hang on, 78 in how many for Dunstall? 21 finals. Yeah, wow. Tell you what, if Gary Lonan just played in more finals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, yes, yeah, so Collingwood getting that game done, 51-point winners moving on to the prelim. Yes, Yeah, as you said, finishing very strong, kicking 6-4 six, uh, six, in the last quarter to win 120-69. to 69. Really, Richmond were probably the the team... Well, they scraped into finals. Yeah, exactly, scraped in, and the other three were, I mean, absolute powerhouses. Yes. So, yeah, you're in a bit of trouble. So the second semi between Melbourne and Geelong, one and two... On the ladder. You heard right. You heard it. One week later, at 2.30pm, same time, same channel. Same place. 47,730 people. And uh, Geelong came out strong, kicking 5-3 in the first to Melbourne's 2-2. Might I add, in the drizzling rain, we say as it starts to drizzle rain around us. Ooh, eerie. Yeah. 
Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, this game would be the highest scoring final in VFL history. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, huge scores. Um, Big second quarters from both teams as well. Yep. And uh, it just kept on it just kept on going, but um Unfortunately, Geelong just sort of held out the whole way. Yeah, so Jack Metherill was the difference for Geelong kicking eight goals. Um, Bluey Truscott was replaced by Rifle in this game, who injured his face running into a goalpost at the start of the last quarter. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so the final score was Geelong 19-11, 125 to Melbourne, 16-17, 113. Geelong by two goals. Geelong by oh. two straight, yeah. Uh, which takes us to... Melbourne could have easily had it there if they kicked straight. Jeez, I tell you. Which takes us to the prelim. Collingwood, Melbourne. Yeah. Giving Melbourne that second chance at it. Yeah. Even though Collingwood's had a week off. Collingwood's had the week off, yep. Yeah, well rested. Well rested. And uh, in front of 55,616, those crowds are just getting wow. bigger. They are on a day where strong wind wreaked havoc across Melbourne and its suburbs. 60 miles an hour breeze blowing across the ground made conditions difficult and ruined any chance of scientific football. Ah. <laughs> so just... um, if you look, like neither team scored for the first 15 minutes of the game as well. No, but mm. then... Uh, it was uh, all seemed to be Collingwood's way kind of after that. They started... Well, oh, Half-time, it was yeah. one point the difference. But then uh, at half-time, a big brawl erupted. And Melbourne had quite the depleted team and could only kick one goal for the remainder of the yeah. game as Collingwood piled them on and won by 55 That's points. it. Melbourne's 7-10-52 paled in comparison to Collingwood's 16-11-107. Mm. So Melbourne coming on the second team to ever go out in straight sets. Oh. Finishing with a double chance. Get that smile off your yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> you big sicko. <laughs> <laughs> Which takes us to the grand final. The grand final. Now, Charlie, I'm sure you know about this, but look at that attendance. Yeah, huge. The biggest crowd ever for a sporting event in Australia. 88,540, <gasps> if you would. Two fat ladies that right there in front of it. Be the population of Melbourne at this stage. Yeah, I'd love to do that stat. Mm. I'll figure that out. That's okay. fun. Um so, yeah, the 25th of September, 1937 at 2.50pm, oh. 20 minutes later. Same time it always starts now. Uh, and now we're going to give uh, the great man a call. Yeah, let's boot up that way back when phone. Oh, Reg, welcome. Oh, thanks all. And before anything, may we say what an epic contest this was the greatest game I think any of us can ever remember. Played with such beauty and grace in the spirit of the game, and I dare say it will be remembered for all time. Oh, thanks very much. I don't think I could have put it better myself. <laughs> and what a year, Reg. You must be so happy. What a champion player you've been throughout your career at Geelong over the past 12 seasons. Oh, look, thanks. I, I appreciate all that. But, um, look, I'm really the fortunate one to be the captain of this great team. It was uh, the 25 players that I've had with me all during the season that have really earned the success for this club. It's been fantastic. Look, they've all proved good fellows, and good fellowship has developed to such an extent that we won for the 1937 Premiership. <laughs> yeah, your team made it no secret this was to be a Premiership year. Yeah, no doubt. We had the lads training throughout the year with one objective, perfect fitness for today's game. And before this game, no one knew who the favourite was. Now on paper, Collingwood was older, more experienced, Ron Todd was firing, while Geelong had a very versatile side full of key position players. Did you underplay the underdog side, Reg? 
Look, oh, how could we not? You know, Collingwood were two-time premiers and they were looking for a third. But you were confident in your own team? I say this honestly to all of you. I have never played in a better side. Oh, but it wasn't your best game today, Reg. Yeah, look, I was on my old mate Gordon Coventry who was playing in his last game and I was having plenty of trouble, I can <laughs> tell you. And I wasn't making any, it any easier with Toddy picking up so many kicks. So a crowd of 88,540. How would you feel running out there in front of all those people? Good. I really felt that um, about 70% of the people at the MCG were, uh, were with Geelong today. Um, it was the greatest game in which I think I've ever played. It was um, just hard and fast football and not once... Was there any unfairness? All right, so indulge me. A a slow start in the first quarter saw Collingwood come out of the blocks and they seemed like they were more composed. Well, you guys looked anxious and at one point the score was six goals to one. You salvaged two before the the half ended um, to head into the break three goals down. And then you threw some changes on the board, didn't you? Yeah, look... I did. I, I remember um, Les, you know, Les Hardeman, um, he wasn't at all happy with me when I told him to move to the se- to uh, centre-half back. Um, look, he'd been a defender originally, but because we'd been weak at full forward, he'd been switched earlier in the season and it just clicked straight away. Ah, you caught that guy. Yeah, look, Les is probably one of the most versatile players I've seen. He could play almost anywhere up the, up the middle of the ground and be a, a match winner. And he certainly proved it today, didn't he, in thrashing Big Toddy. It took a lot of doing as far as I'm concerned. I reckon he was the best player on the ground today. You also moved Doherty to full forward and Joe Selwood into the pocket and had a few players running through the ruck. Uh, Then Jack Evans started to get on top. Yeah, look, he started to get goals against Regan and we we got right back into the game and it really became a, a tremendous struggle. You bridged the gap in the second quarter with five goals to two and at half time it was a five point game. Um, sorry, excuse me. At the yeah, and, and then the third quarter was a beauty. And you and Jack, when Jack Evans marked and kicked truly, you were in front. Yeah, and geez, wasn't that mark the most spectacular grab of the day, guys? Um, I think almost straight away Jack Grant ran the ball from the middle and then kicked another. So Harry Collier kicked um, a point in three quarter time bell, and you got, the scores were level. Oh, yeah, this is really a great game. How are you feeling? Yeah, look, I was pretty happy coming into that last change. We knew we were a very fit side, and I felt that we could run run it over them in the end. Yeah. And that's the way it seemed to turn out as well, yeah. Two, um, goals to Jack Metherill, Gordon Abbott and Jim Willis, and the game was beyond doubt. Um, absolutely, and then the bell went and the crowd rushed onto the ground. What was the feeling? Yeah, it certainly was. They carried us shoulder high to the rooms, and the ground was just ringing with cheers and applause from all the excited fans. Now, I've got to ask this. Um, did it make it any sweeter that the win was over Collingwood? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've always had tremendous regard for those Magpies players like uh, Nuts Coventry and the Collier brothers and Jack Regan. They were among my closest mates. Um, sure, they played it hard and they didn't like losing, but they never squealed. And as far as I was concerned, we were always the best of mates after the toughest game. Collingwood's formula for, su- for success, its determination, its teamwork and its club spirit are things that I've tried to copy myself. Reg, you sound like you're a Collingwood supporter yourself. Yeah, look, Collingwood would be one of my favourite clubs, after Geelong, of course. (laughs) Um, uh, So we know you love them, but do you agree with what most people said about the relationship between the two teams? Look, well, some people are of the opinion that because of the friendliness between Geelong and Collingwood, there wouldn't be any hard knocks. 
but I, I don't think that's true. I mean, you can see the bruises. There were plenty of hard knocks, but they were all fair. Um, now, anyone else you'd like to thank, Reg? Yeah, absolutely. Look, for one, Tommy Quinn, my vice-captain. The selectors had chosen me at the full-back position, which was a bad place for a captain, but ta- Tommy carried on the work downfield in a very able manner. Um, so tell us, how will you remember this year? Look, it has been my absolute fortune to be the captain of a team of really good fellows who's, who've worked hard and brought the club into the spirit of cooperation. I see absolutely no reason why Geelong shouldn't again win the Premiership next year. Oh, well, fantastic. All the best then, Reg. Thanks all. Bye now. Um, now, in that game, goals for Geelong. Jack Evans kicked six. Metherill and Clive Coles kicked four. Gordon Abbott with two. And Selwood and Wills with one. Best for the Black Cats were Angie Mueller, Tommy Quinn, Les Hardiman, Peter Hardiman, and Jack Metherill. Um, the other actually interesting thing is uh, I did an interview with Alex Matheson earlier in the year, who is the oldest living Geelong player, and he was actually at this game. Hmm. Oh, wow. He snuck, out cool. to, he snuck out from Geelong, told his parents he was bunny uh, rabbit hunting, yeah. <laughs> and snuck up to the game among, among those 88,000. So I'm quickly going to play a snippet of him talking about what this game was like. Fantastic. Oh, great. The best game I've seen, uh, we went to the, Don and I went to the 1937 Grand Final. That was a terrific game. Yeah. Terrific football. They done it today, the football. Terrible. <laughs> a shocking game. Yeah. <laughs> terrible game. But how anyhow, old, how old were you, Dad, when you went? How old were you? Uh, 16, weren't you? W- the reason why... We, we had to tell their parents where we were going and when they told us we weren't to go because polio was raging in okay. then. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, we said, oh, we got up and we're going rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, we finished. We go down to the station and who do we meet on the station is a friend of my parents. He was a guard on the railway. Oh, you're going to football, Alec? And I'm, yes, yes. Of course, her father was going later in the morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so quite a time comes, they're getting the real flogging, Geelong. Yeah. And uh, Geelong made four positional changes. They changed Hickey from centre back to full back, Selwood to full forward, Evans to centre forward. And at half time, we're only two points down. And the last quarter, they six, kicked six goals yeah. to one. Fantastic. Yeah. So when my father got home, we were right. He said, did you catch any rabbits? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, we couldn't because there was too many people on the ground. There was no tickets in those days. Yeah. You lined up and played big money. Yeah. And of course, the five and six deep sitting round inside the boundary. Wow. Yeah. Were you sitting in the boundary? <laughs> <laughs> Where were you in the stands? Yeah. MCG? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that was a terrific game of football. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. The goodest game you'd ever see. Um, so in winning the grand final, Geelong actually won 15 games in a row. Their last loss coming in round six to Richmond where their season stood at three and three. It was their third VFL Premiership and their second over Collingwood. Love it. Uh, post-grand final, 3,000 people waited at Geelong train station for the team return. 
to return. The players received a civic reception, whistles were blown, hats flew in the air, chills filled the air. The St. Augustine Brass Band played music and celebration lasted for days. Um, then also what happens with Geelong, and you'll enjoy this, Anna, um, a thousand people plocked, flocked to Cryo Oval for a funeral. Oh. The funeral, or a mock funeral, uh, they buried a magpie. Which is a tradition that started when they beat Geelong, uh, beat Collingwood in 1925. They also buried a, a symbol of their victory over Collingwood. In 1932, they did the same against Richmond. They buried a stuffed toy tiger. And this became a tradition at Geelong. Whenever they won a grand final, they'd bury like an effigy. I think, yeah, of something. So not a real dead magpie. No. Uh, actually, Probably did they kill the magpie? magpie. Oh, possibly not. I Just don't know. I, I don't know to, that. Yeah. But they acquired a, a deceased magpie <laughs> <laughs> and buried it on the ground. Buried it in cryo. I wonder whether they're still Whoa. doing it. Well, I've heard rumours they are. I hope what so. What were they buried when they beat Port Adelaide? A bottle of port, maybe. Um, <laughs> a an electrical socket. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> some batteries. Some batteries. <laughs> some batteries. A generator. Hmm. Um, yes. So. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's a nice little tradition, isn't it? Very nice to hear from that. Uh, that um, plot from Reg Hickey. Yes, from Reg yes. Hickey. Yeah. Who has a relation, Mel Hickey, who actually captains the Geelong AFLW team. Cool. Um, she yeah. is somehow related to him. And uh, Reg Hickey is also related to Con Hickey, who passed away. Who passed first, away. Yeah. The, the Fitzroy man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, some retirees before we finish the season. We've got Jack Baggett of Richmond and Essendon yes. after 147 games and two flags with Richmond. Mm-hmm. Retired as a player, still coaching. He's still coaching. Ted Freyer from Essendon, 124 games, 372 goals. Charlie Davey from Carlton, Ooh. 143 games, 121 goals. Gordon Coventry, 1,299 goals. <laughs> Five flags. Unbelievable. Oh, that is ludicrous. How many, how many, um, uh, Leading goal kickers. Um, uh, how many official? I'm not sure. Sh- oh, I can double check that actually. It'd have to be. Uh, so, seven. If we're eight? going on, well, which method are we going on? If we're going on the Coleman method, where it's end of the season. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six if you don't include finals. And then probably wow. nine if you do. Oh, actually, six. Maybe I made a mistake here. That's all right. So at least six. <laughs> at least six. Um, and five flags. Probably should have been six. Yes. Five flags. Mm-hmm. Doug Nichols, 54 games with Fitzroy. Would go on to become a pastor. Ozzy, uh, Austin Robinson um, from South Melbourne, mm. running champion. Ron Hillis, 137 games, 16 goals. Um, played in two losing grand finals and was unlucky to miss South's 33. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ivan McAlpine, Butch Grain Hawthorne player, 179 games, 51 goals. An injury to his leg in round 14 ended his playing career. Oh. Uh, Les Hardiman and Jack Metherill, both of Geelong retired this year. Well, not retired, Hardiman went to Perth to, to play yes. Subiaco. Um, these two combined for 113 goals between them this season, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how Geelong go next yeah. season. What a way to go out. Losing those two. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, and that brings me to the end of... A 37th season. You may have uh, you may have just spoiled your own um, cliffhanger there. Didn't mention didn't mention Sophie Valance. Well, un- until you pointed it out. <laughs> no, I had to. I had to. Hysteria. Notice that I didn't mention Hayden Bunton either. Ah. Hey, interesting. Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh well, maybe he hasn't well, maybe. officially retired. Well, We've done this before, maybe. Ooh. Oh. Ah. Ooh. You never know. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's sum up the season. 
I'm setting people up this episode. I like it. That's it. Premiership for 1937, Kaz? Not Melbourne. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Just like most of the last seasons as well. Uh, not Melbourne, it was Geelong. The Brownlow medalist? Mighty Geelong. It was Mr. Dick Reynolds. Now, leading goal kicker. Yes. So. Gordon Coventry, if you include finals, with 72 goals. And then also um, Jack Metherill with 71 is just behind him, but that's also because of finals. Yes. So the actual... As was Jack Titus. Yes. scored, mm. I think, 67 six. Yeah. So the actual leading, actual goal, leading goal kicker was Dick Harris Richmond of Richmond with 64. with 64. If we go via the... John the home Coleman, and away season. The Coleman medal rules. Mm. Um, the wooden spooners, Moz? Poor old North. In their seventh wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. Seven. <laughs> uh, premiership tallies as in 1937. Actually, before I do that, high scores. High score of 37 was Melbourne. Yes, it was. Which game? 20, I, I don't know. They, they, they had such a good season. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I get distracted by all I mean, it's hard, to, um, it's hard to tell whether it was that huge win over Collingwood <laughs> or that the one, huge the one, win over Essendon. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, what about the second premiership? Oh, good question. Oh, Who won the second premiership? Geelong won the second it premiership was. for the second year in a row. Oh, and wow. defeated... Footscray by 11 points. Footscray? Was it Footscray? It was Footscray. Oh. 91 to 80. I can't tell. Oh, I thought it was Collingwood. Sorry, it was Collingwood. I'm jumping yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Colling, Colling, yeah, so <laughs> Geelong beat Collingwood in both the first and the second yes. premiership. Wow. 84 to 65. So much mm. depth from... Uh, but it was not played as a prequel to the grand final this year. It was played as a standalone game on the 30th of September, which was the show day holiday mm. at the MCG. All right, guys, I've got some McCracken Name Award right, contestants here for you. we got Harry Hickey, Don Dilks, Ron Paternoster, Jack Hacker, Gordon Waters, Bill Bunworth, Tom Butherway, Cliff Goldstraw, Kevin Fox, Monty Brown or Des Fothergill. Oh, my God. Oh, come on, guys. Give us some help here. Jack Hacker is oh, come so on. good. Cliff Goldstraw. Bunworth. <laughs> <laughs> Like a, the alliteration <laughs> of some like of them is so from good. Like Austin Powers. What, who, what's the, what was the second one? Don, Don Dilks. Don Dilks. Yeah, that's alliteration that's fine, isn't it? Donny Dilks. Um, if it was Bunsworth, he'd be in there for sure. Yeah, he needs that S, doesn't yeah. he? Close. Come on, Kaz, it's your award. Oh God. Okay, let's not drag this out any further. Um. Uh, <laughs> Oh, He's panic-stricken. So maybe we should That's right, yeah. You can see yeah. I just had a stroke. <laughs> Cliff, Cliffy. Cliff Goldstraw. Cliff Goldstraw. Yeah. There you go. Good name. Um, mm, uh, Tim, I can't tell whether you're wearing your emotions on your sleeve or you're just really competitive when you tell, <laughs> tell us about Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many of you. I know. Yeah. Melbourne, I've got Surrounded. to it somehow. You were totally outnumbered. Um, and it just it's just, fair. It's just fun to, to rile you up. Um, all right, so Premiership tallies as of 1937. We have Collingwood with 11, Fitzroy 7, Essendon 6, Carlton 5, Richmond 4, Geelong 3, South Melbourne 3, Melbourne 2. And then there's a few teams we haven't won as well. Yeah. Mm. St Kilda, Hawthorne, Footscray, North Melbourne with zero. Mm. Mm. Thank you for adding those onto the list so we're not at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was I, mean, I appreciate that. the none, isn't it? So yeah. definitely. Um, How long until they get one? Thank you for joining us uh, for this 2019 calendar year. Can you believe it? We've Another year through, down. Yeah, quite a few episodes. We will be. Uh, this will be our last yearly episode. Next, we will do an episode soon, which is a best of with some awards. Our yes. best team of the from 21 to 37. 
Um, if there's time, there is a, a Survey Monkey survey out. Yes, check yes, it out. Great. So check out if you get a chance to vote uh, for your favourite funny wacky moments and players mm. and whatnot. And listen in to hear us just argue about <laughs> who we think is good. <laughs> yes. It's great. Crucial listening. It's a great time. If only we could have the behind the scenes of when we actually try and figure out the team yeah. and how much we just yell at each other. <laughs> it's great uh, times. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling your friends. Um, Charlie, we're Colombia and Panama are our aims now. So it's ah. Yep. Fantastic. So yes, uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, get it, get in there, and uh, we'll be taking a little bit of a hiatus over January as well. Yes. We probably won't have an episode out until February from no. now. Mm. And we're enjoying the summertime. We, Some, we're taking our time, and someone's mm-hmm. getting married as well. Yes, yes, oh yes, that's true. Yes, <laughs> I find I found someone can, who, that can put up with me. <laughs> Fun times. Um, yeah, but so this is the this is the end of the year. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Just uh. Enjoy, enjoy your time. You know, if you're thinking you need to give anyone a present, how about a just subscribe them to this podcast? Yeah, that, that's the yeah. best free gift. Free gift, yeah. and so it just gift keeps gift. on giving. It is. We have, I think, fifty episodes now. After Amazing. This. this is our fiftieth episode. Whoa. Oh, nice. Perfect. So, yeah. Two years down, guys. Great times. Mm. Well, uh, until uh, until early yes, absolutely. Until early in the next year. We've had a few additions. To yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. It's been a big year. It has. Mm. And we'll get to, we'll get to all that stuff in the in the special. That's right. Yeah, we certainly will. Well, until next time. Favorite stories. Hooroo. To find out more about the Kick to Kick team and the sources we use, visit our website www.kicktokickpodcast.com. You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kicktokickpod. Thanks so much for listening.